Hi everybody, welcome to the third of a three-part special with myself and the Chief, Chief Falenko from Round Lake Park, Lake County, Illinois. Um, if you've already listened to the first two episodes, you'll already be briefed on, on what they are about, but basically the Chief is asking, what do you think? Are the cases that we are discussing murder, suicide, or other? And in the third of the three-part special, I will hand over to our friend across the pond, Chief Falenko. Good afternoon. Good. Yeah, it's still more. No, it's just into the afternoon now, right? I'll get there soon. I'll get there soon. Yeah, we're in the afternoon right now. Uh, Just a little bit of a personal announcement. I want everybody out there to know that this is a big week in the Chicagoland area. It's Packer Beer Week. Okay. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's all over the news. Nobody's interested in anything else here. Mm. Uh, the It's the 100th anniversary of the National Football League. And Thursday night or Thursday evening is the first game of the season. And usually what they do is they take the Super Bowl champ and another team and they highlight them for their first game. Well, this year, because of the 100th anniversary, it's going to be the Packers and the Bears. Okay. Uh, That's the Green so Bay this Packers, has right? been. Green Bay Packers yeah. and the Chicago Bears. And this has been building up for for at least a couple of months now. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, and anybody who lives here knows how intense this is. Yeah, I can uh, imagine. Just a little side story. Well, Soldier Field, actually, where they have the games, the Chicago Bears got sued last year by a Green Bay Packer fan because he was not allowed to walk on the field. He had a field pass before the game, and he had all this Green Bay Packer garbage on, uh, and they had him escorted off the field, so he filed a federal lawsuit. Right. So, uh, yeah, I know. I think I, That's how crazy I told you the other day the Bears are coming to uh, the UK. They're, they're playing yeah. against the Raiders in October, so I'm hoping to get tickets for yeah. that, and I'll... I'll be seeing yeah, it. I would encourage anybody, if you want to see a good show, because you're going to see a great game, number one. And John Gruden, who's the uh, uh, new coach, mm. or I think it's his second year with the Raiders, uh, this guy is a showman. All right. So, you, yeah, they call his, his nickname in the, in the U.S. is Chucky. Chucky. <laughs> All right. Chucky, yeah, from the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah you'll see why. All <laughs> right, cool. So, um, to move this ahead, uh, you know, we've been talking about these unusual death investigations we have periodically or have been called into. And any death investigation, um, you approach uh, in a really uh, a chronological and analytical way uh, until determined otherwise, it's suspicious in nature, period. Yeah. So uh, this case in particular, we were called out by a, a department in the uh, western part of the county. Um, what they had, uh, discovered was a, what they believed to be at that point, a double homicide. Um, so they called us out, uh, to take a look at it and, and make a determination as to, you know, where we're going to proceed with it. And, uh, it's a case that was probably more, one of the more unusual ones, uh, that we handled, and as we go along, you're going to you're going to kind of see why. Yeah. And again, we'll ask the question, murder, suicide or other. Yeah. Um, so, you know, let's get going on this. So this takes place in September of 2014. Uh, we got a call uh, sometime in the uh, afternoon, I think about noon, one o'clock. Uh, the police chief there requests that the task force come out. We have a double homicide. 
we respond. Uh, I think I was probably either the first, second, or third uh, investigator. I was the commander of the task force on the scene. Get a short briefing from the officers that responded to this. And what they tell me uh, before I even go into this place is that they found two bodies in a bedroom, a male and a female. There's a weapon present. Uh, there's blood on the walls. Uh, it's a fairly gruesome crime scene. Uh, and by their uh, initial observations, they believe they have a double shooting. Okay. So, so um, I walked up to the, the crime scene itself with, uh, you know, I waited for one of our chief evidence technicians to get there. And uh, a couple of us went up and uh, the, the police department did a great job securing it immediately. So it's a one-bedroom apartment, and sometimes it's really hard to describe these, so I'll try to be as descriptive as possible. It's a one-bedroom apartment. As you enter the doorway to your immediate left is a, a kitchenette area, uh, rather small. Uh, adjoining that, it's kind of an open-room format, is a front-room area that is rather small. And then there's a, directly ahead of you a, a bedroom, and to the right is a, a small bathroom with a shower. Mm -hmm. So as you look directly ahead, you, of course, notice there's two bodies on the floor. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, you know, uh, you, you have to look at everything around you. And, and the first thing that I noticed, as well as uh, the detectives with me, is there was a kitchen table. And it wasn't made of wood. It was made of this hard uh, formica type of material uh, that they make. You know these cheaper kitchen tables of they're they're virtually indestructible. Yeah, it's rock solid, right? Yeah, rock solid. Mm. Yeah, and, and it's uh, it's got a screwdriver. Uh, uh, probably, I think the screwdriver's got to be about uh, eight to ten inches in length. It's not. It's a regular screwdriver tip. Um, so you know it's a it's sharp at the end, but it's stuck into the table and just sticking up. Right, okay. Um, the first thing that, you know, <laughs> we all said, man, that had to take some power. You need some strength to, to put that in there. So to, to put that in there and to make that sit like mm -hmm. that. Now, just the tip was sunk barely in there, but enough to hold it straight yeah. up. The second noticeable thing was that the furniture in the front room uh, was disheveled in that, that there was a, an end table that was tipped over. There was a coffee table that was tipped over. So it appeared to either A, you can assume that these people just were not, uh, whoever occupied the apartment were not exactly into order and cleanliness or... They weren't keeping it well. Yeah, or or probably based on what we're seeing is some kind of a struggle ensued. There, there was a, yeah. something that happened in that front room. But was it between them or perhaps somebody else had come could have been could have been anybody you know I mean we Any we had some limited information that the bodies were discovered by it, it was a male and a female that uh, were deceased and it was a male's uh, whose uh, workplace had sent a couple of fellows out there to check on him because he had failed to report to work. This is on a Tuesday mm -hmm. he had failed to report to work on Monday right so um, Again, making some site observations before we even go into the crime scene itself, uh, the main area of the crime scene, there was a, uh, a, a framed flag, American flag, on the wall 
and there was some kind of graffiti written on the white portions of the flag. You know, we have the stars and stripes, so it's red line, yes. yeah. white line, whatever. And it, it was small, but when you looked at it close enough, it was gang graffiti. Okay, tags. Right. And, you know, it's mm. something I'd never seen before on an American flag, so that was unusual. So, mm. you know, now you're absorbing all of this and, and, and kind of making mental notes of what you're seeing. Uh, of mm. course, you know, we're, we're being followed up by our uh, photographer from the task force. And we also have a videographer. We'll take videos of the crime scene as well uh, for pro- right. preservation purposes. Uh, so now we get into the bedroom. And what we see is uh, a female lying against her. Her back is against the wall. She's laying on her side, her head pointed towards the window. Uh, and let's call that the front portion of the bedroom. And the, yep. and the male is lying on his side, directly facing the female's feet. So his head is at her feet and vice versa. So they're laying up opposites, but they're basically. both laying on their sides. And in between them is a revolver. Right. On the revolver, uh, Noticeably, both of their hands are touching, which is, okay. I mean, immediately you're looking at this and going, is this staged? Um, yeah, that's all. Just very, right? very odd. But, you know, we've seen some unusual things. And again, you don't want to you know, keep going back to tunnel vision or making, mm-hmm. you know, assumptions. What are the first three letters in assumptions? Don't make an ass out of yourself <laughs> by, yeah. by assuming. Um, mm. So we're taking it one step at a time. Um so another thing that we found, uh, or our evidence technicians, because we back out of there and let them do their work, they found some bullets uh, laying on the ground uh, near a toy. And the bottom of this toy, and I believe that's where the batteries went to this thing, also contained some, some bullets. Uh, 30, okay. 38 caliber. The weapon itself, again, uh, we didn't pick it up, but we could assume... Uh, Again, that it's probably a 38 caliber, which it did turn out to be a 38 caliber um, yep. revolver. So we have a, you know, we've got a mystery here. Um, so, you know, there's a couple things. We have uh, a double homicide. Um, mm-hmm. And we're discussing this outside. Double homicide. Okay. Uh, we have a, a homicide suicide. And that's what we kind of limited it to. Uh Okay. So, again, the next thing you do is you start doing a canvas, uh, start interviewing uh, the individuals specifically that found uh, the, the bodies. Uh, and that yeah. was kind of unusual, too. So that kind of, t- that kind of put a kink into it and made uh, them unwittingly persons of interest, meaning the employees from his company. A little background right. on him. He is a, employed by a, 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 a private electric company. And what they do is they'll contract out to the large electric companies that maintain either state uh, electricity grids or whatever. And if there's a catast- mm-hmm. catastrophe, they'll usually uh, ask for assistance and they'll, they'll subcontract out companies like this. So like fixing power lines, stuff right? Like that. So uh, yeah. if they have to go to an adjoining state, let's say Missouri, I mean, some of them could travel as far as Florida. Right now, we've got this right. hur- hurricane coming through Florida, 
So Florian, the, yeah. Yeah, so uh, the electric companies down there are on standby because they don't know mm -hmm. where it's going to hit, how hard it's going to hit, how much equipment. So he was employed by this company, and he would travel periodically out of state. Uh, when we interviewed his co-workers, uh, they had told us that they had been away for several days and uh, actually had returned on, I believe, a Friday. So we're talking this may have occurred anywhere between Friday and Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah. Right. So um, based on what we're seeing with the, with the bodies, and again, you know, it's difficult with weather conditions because mm. uh, noticeably, too, the apartment was, was uh, hot. Uh, it was okay. a, a very warm September day. And we've talked about weather conditions here in the Midwest. Yeah. We have two seasons, hot mm. and fucking cold. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, yeah. there's like you get like one blinkety eye, a couple of comfortable days, and then suddenly you're below zero. So, right, okay. uh, like so today. You've got it here, and it's in the hot conditions. Yeah, as a matter of fact, today is almost a, a replica of, of the day it was when we went to this call. So today it's in the upper 70s, but the humidity is about 75%. And yeah, so there's a lot of water in, in Lake County as well, Give it obviously the name tells that um, right. straight away. So is it also quite, quite humid as well as you're just even walking around? Yeah, it gets it gets very uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, if you get a breeze, you know we we you know, we have the the Great Lakes here, uh, Lake Michigan. Mm. You get a breeze yeah. coming off of the lake or northerly, uh, the humidity dissipates. But mm. uh, generally during the summer, it's hot, it's humid, it's sticky. Uh, it, it's not the most ideal uh, weather around, and especially with uh, bodies. When you yeah. have conditions like this, bodies tend to accelerate decomposition. Um, it gets pretty That's mad. making it more difficult to get a, a correct time of death, right? Yeah. You know, I love these shows where these guys can walk in and, and I think they stick a, uh, like a, uh, some kind of a thermometer in the liver or something <laughs> like that. They say, oh yeah, this person died within, uh, you know, an hour of this time. Oh, it's bullshit. Yeah. Come on. Are you kidding me? Is, is it? Is oh, it actually come on. Bullshit it, is, well? yeah. it is bullshit. Okay. Because listen, look at it this way. Okay, you find a frozen body. How the f What fucking temperature are you taking? Right? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. find a body decomposing. Now, you could estimate estimate based on the decomposition, lividity, uh, rigor mortis. All of that has timelines, but you're still not going to be able to get it down to the exact time of death unless, and we've had it, where um, there's a clock present of some sort of a time, you know, like a... Maybe and the, it happens to stop at the at the same time. Right. Maybe the cell doing. phone they were holding in their hand, uh, the bullet went through the cell phone, or right, right. you know something interrupted time where we could have an exact uh, time of death. Uh, yeah. It's rare, but it does occur. Usually, what we do narrowing it down is we narrow it down by timelines. Who mm -hmm. talked to the person the last time? When were they seen the last time? And when were uh, you know when was the body or bodies? When were they discovered? When did yeah. people hear things in that apartment, you know, each Phone records, anything like yeah. that where they've made a call or whatever. Right. And there's no, you know what, uh, this is old-fashioned police work. There's no magic database where we're entering all this data into a timeline. You know what we do? Uh, one of my, and a shout out to Kyle Helgeson, one of my assistant commanders, one of the best homicide detectives 
uh, you all ever meet. Kyle's uh, is retiring with a medical disability. Uh, but what Kyle used to do, and he loved doing this, we used to actually joke about it. Okay, get the butcher paper out. Butcher paper is a long reel of uh, like brownish paper you'd use to wrap like steaks or whatever. And okay. basically, basically, Kyle would take this thing and, and we'd have a war room somewhere. He'd tape it up on a wall and he'd draw a line straight through the middle of it. And his leads okay. leads and times would come up. He, he'd put post-its up there. Event, put yeah, them on, right. Exactly. And that way, right. you know, it's actually pretty, it's simple. You know, keep Very it, intuitive, yeah. It's a, it's a KISS mm. method. Keep it simple and, mm. you know. So uh, you could walk in there and take a look at this thing. And have a really good idea of when everything happened, who the players were, and take a look and say, well, wait a minute, I interviewed a guy and fill in a gap, or yeah. wait a minute, I talked to this person a second time, they told me a completely different story. Now we have a conflicting story. So it's, it's a very, right, very right. nice method, and we'd preserve those. Uh, we'd, yeah. put them, we'd put them in as part of, part of our case file. Can you present them as evidence in court as well? Though? I mean, you, you could. Um, the defense attorneys would probably be more likely to present it. Uh, you know, there's a thing called uh, motion for discovery prior to a trial where mm. uh, the prosecutors are, have to turn over all evidence to the defense attorneys and yeah. vice, vice versa. And a lot, of, a lot of trials on appeal or a lot of cases on appeal have been lost because an item in discovery wasn't turned over. Ah, uh, right, okay. You know, but as part of the ongoing investigation, it's a really useful tool, right? Oh, it's so an excellent tool. It's, it's shout, so, shout out to it's, it's so Mr. Helgeson. Yeah, so it's so archaic. It's phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. just, just keep it simple. So, yeah. um, you know, we're, we're going to try and develop a timeline here. So the employees from the electric company who found them, we interviewed them. Um, what they did is they went over there because this guy was part of their crew. Uh, and they went over on their lunch break. Uh, knocked on the door, uh, didn't get a response, which was unusual because I, I believe they saw his car and maybe her car out in the parking lot. So they, they felt something was wrong. And, yeah. you know, they shoulder jimmied the door. The door was, you okay. know, basically you could spit on it. It could open. So they probably shouldn't have done that. I mean, they're doing a burglary, <laughs> you know. But yeah, yeah. in this case, there's forgiveness. Uh, but what they did didn't do right away is they didn't call the police right away so they they hit the door they look in there and they see bodies and they're like oh shit and yeah you know the first thought is okay uh you and i would call the police uh yeah these guys being a little rougher they're like we mm. want nothing to do with the fucking police let's <laughs> yeah. get the hell out of here well yeah even they started thinking you know what um all right, what are the odds of somebody thinking we did this now? I mean, they get par yeah, paranoid. Maybe, maybe we got seen at the door or something. And right, right, right. Exactly. It's daylight, right? Anything's possible. Yeah. Or their camera. Mm. You know, you start you start getting really paranoid about everything. Mm. So they did call the police. The local department shows up. This is what they find. We questioned them. We understood. I mean, they were being completely honest with us. Um, and what they told us, again, going back, they were out of town uh, for about a week uh, with this with this gentleman uh, who's in his 20s. And uh, they dropped him off, I believe, late Friday evening. And that was the last time they saw him. So we started knocking on doors. 
Um, and this is kind of a shady apartment complex, so a lot of things happen. Um, right. But there are a lot of good people that live there, people who have um, just, they're struggling with finances, senior citizens, for example. So this is right. the only thing they can afford, but they're very forthright with the police. Some, so, yeah. yeah, some won't even open the door. Uh, yeah. So um, what we were asking is if they had heard anything. And I know one, one woman had told us that periodically, uh, since these folks had moved in and they'd been living there several months, uh, she said she's, she's heard a lot of arguing uh, between the both of them. Uh, and these, okay. wall, these walls are paper thin. So mm-hmm. you've got a lot of domestic situations. I believe we ran a local check through the database of the police department. Really didn't come up with anything. Um, the other thing was that, you know, I, it wasn't obvious. I mean, the coroner still hadn't made a determination of the cause of death. But you know what? We're looking at a handgun laying between two people. Uh, yeah. And visually, you could see at least on, on one of the bodies that there was a, it appeared to be a gunshot wound to the head. Okay. Okay. So this is what we refer to as a dirty gun, which is a revolver. Um, and dirty guns make a lot of noise. Okay. Yeah. Is that why they refer to it as, as dirty guns? Well, they also refer to it as a dirty gun because the GSR gunshot residue is going to, is yeah. going to cake your hand because there's blow, okay. blowback. Now, We've had cases with, with really high-end semi-automatics. Uh, for example, we carry 9mm six hours. Uh, we issue into our officers. Uh, mm. they, they just came out with this model about a year ago. Uh, the military, the FBI, everybody's switching to this. If you shoot this gun uh, and you've got good ammunition, that's the other thing, mm-hmm. uh, right. you could pretty much, you could uh, come out with no GSR. Oh, okay. Especially if you wipe down the gun. Now, GSR will stick to the to the handle of a gun too. Right. So you don't necessarily have to fire it. You can just come into contact with it. Right. 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 So uh, questions we were asking: Did you hear anything? Did you hear any unusual noises? Now you don't want to ask leading questions. Mm. Did you hear a gunshot? Mm, mm. You know things like: Did you hear any kind of uh, noises, arguments, anything that you might think would be suspicious? Uh, did anything happen around, you know, uh, in the building that might have been noisy? Uh, and any one of the people told us that there were uh, extensive amount of fireworks going off Saturday night, right? Or at some point, okay. And they weren't scared. They were just fireworks in Illinois are illegal. Oh, so right. these were fireworks that somebody was just throwing around in a parking lot. Checking with the local police, they said, you know, and that was the thing that they do there all the time. Uh, not, not unusual. Mm. So nobody called the police because I think everybody assumed that if they heard a bang, it wasn't a gunshot. Although it was a firework. Right. Although a couple people did say they thought they heard gunshots because there is a. But that there, could have been a firework nonetheless, or, or it could have been a gunshot. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, gunshots, if you're around uh, weapons, have a distinct sound to them. Uh, you can... You know, sorry to interrupt yeah. you. I, I was going to ask you this on a different case that we did. I, I, <clears> because I'm in the UK, right? So we don't have, we don't have firearms. No, you, you, just, basically. you just have different slashing, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah absolutely yeah. That's, that's exactly what we have um but with gunshots like 
it's really unfamiliar to me. The, the, the closest I come to hearing it is on TV. And I was going to say to you, you know, is it really that distinctive? You know, sometimes you see it on movies where like uh, a car backfires, right? Mm-hmm. Is it so distinctive that you just know 100% now that that was a car backfiring, not a gun? Um, or does it depend on the weapon? As you well? don't know 100%, but it, it's hard to describe, but it's almost like a, a crack. Um, and then there's different gunshot gunshots. An AK-47, for, for example, is going to have a different sound to it as opposed to uh, AR-15. Right. It's very distinct. Right. Uh, it's like a rap, 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 um, as opposed to a poom, poom right, type right. of thing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think to the uh, person who's not typically around firearms, probably couldn't tell. Yeah. But for somebody who's been around firearms, you probably could tell, hey, you know what? I ain't know it was a gunshot. Yeah. Okay. Now, the other thing is, we, you know, we get a lot of shots, fire calls. Um and this is kind of how we judge the validity of the call. Uh, let's say we get a shots fired call. If we only get one, chances are it's probably bullshit and mm. it's probably some firework. But mm. if we start getting two or three in the same area, and and here's the key. If somebody calls up, and in our area, of course, it's a, it's a hunting area too. Somebody mm. says, hey, I know for a fact that was a gunshot. I've been a hunter since I've been nine years old. Okay. You you take that call seriously. Yeah, for sure. They know the sound of a fucking gun, right? So, Right, right. Uh, and so there's a lot of differences, too, of whether the gunshot's outside. Inside, it's going to be more muffled. Mm. Uh, but in this case, nobody heard anything that they believed was succinctly 100% a gunshot. Okay. The other thing, remember I told you this is kind of a shady apartment complex? Mm-hmm. So... Probably the people that would recognize it as a gunshot don't want a fucking thing to do with the police. <laughs> yeah, of course. Right. right? Okay. I, you know, oh, no. Yeah. So they're not going to call it in. Mm. So we did get a couple of, you know, I think I heard something that was a gunshot around this time. Okay. And I think we narrowed the time down to about 8 p.m. on a Saturday night. Right. So that was an approximation it kind of fit into the decomp and the rest of it so more than likely that's probably when this all happened so on the brown paper timeline it, it it's starting to come come together it's starting to come together you know we're getting bits and pieces nothing that you can hang your hat out on a court of law these are just mm. people saying this is what i believe and us yeah. trying to and again we're just trying to put together as short a timeline as possible Um, and, you know, eliminate possibilities or, you know, come up with probabilities. Yeah. So, um, again, we still don't know what's going on here. Um, Mm. and now we're having, uh, conferences out in the parking lot and, you know, our evidence guys who I respect 100% and highly, uh, go based on what they're seeing and finding, uh, you know, we had a, they were just baffled. They're like, we don't know. We think based on what we're seeing, we think that, um, the, uh, th- the incident is probably, uh, a, a, ho- a homicide suicide okay. based on what we're seeing and based on what we've seen in the past. Okay. Yeah. Based on the history of domestic uh, arguments and whatever. So, 
anyway, we're doing a little bit of a victim, or not a little bit, but we start doing a victimology on both individuals, okay? So uh, in her case, we find out that uh, they're single. She has a child from a previous marriage, uh, which explains this bedroom had, uh, you know, an assortment of toys laying around because she yeah. has some visitation rights. We also find out that she's had some addiction issues, uh, and I believe it was with uh, methamphetamine, uh, yeah. and that she's had uh, some mental health issues uh, in the past, which, you know, isn't unusual uh, in the sense that, you know, somebody with an addictive personality. Uh, and also we've learned that there have been these arguments in the past and that based on the arguments, and again, we're just taking this all secondhand, that he, appear, he appears to have a, a, a temper. The other thing that we found out from his uh, co-workers is that he's extremely jealous of her. She okay. was a, a, a very attractive looking woman. Um, and he was always calling her consistently when they were on the road, checking in with her. He was over head over heels in love with her. Okay. You know, and, 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 you know, in those situations, you know, love, uh, tends to blind people. And, yeah. you know, even if they, uh, start doing things that are, you know, that you and I wouldn't accept. Out of the ordinary for you and I, yeah. Right. You know, I mean, this guy was just, again, totally in love with her. Mm. Uh, based on, again, what we found out about the relationship, we don't believe that was completely reciprocal. Okay. Um, yeah, because we we also found out that she uh, did socialize with other men, uh, and especially when he was away. Okay. Okay. So, anyway, we've got all of that going now. So, um, the drug issue, the gang graffiti, the screwdriver, uh, this could still well be uh, a homicide. Now, uh, the door itself wasn't difficult to force open from what mm -hmm. these guys told us. Uh, they locked it, and that, that, that entry door doesn't make any difference, really, because... Uh, you could knock on the door and somebody will open it for you. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that's, and plus then you lock, if you got in, you can lock it behind you and that's that. Oh, right. Noticeably, the bedroom door, though, um, it, our, in these cheap apartment complexes, you know, when they flip an apartment, which means you know, you get somebody moving out, what they want to do is put a, a slap, a, a nice coat of paint on there. Maybe either if the if the carpet's salvageable, they clean it. If not, they tear it up. They put some bullshit carpet down, uh, and they re make some minor repairs. If they mm -hmm. got to hang a door a door on the inside, they're going to hang these doors that are just about made out of uh, cardboard. Just they're they're, ho they're hollow. Yeah, you could mm -hmm. you know you could be Bruce Lee, put your fist right through it, and say, mm -hmm. "Hey, man." Don't yeah. fuck with me. I'll do this to you. <laughs> yeah. So what we saw is at the uh, bottom portion quarter of the door, front, and you could tell by the way the wood, and again, attention to detail, make your mm. observations, that the way the wood was impacted, that the door uh, had been either punched or kicked or forced uh, from the outside of the door in. Okay. Okay. So it looked fresh, too. It, okay. it didn't look like it had been done a while ago, and in that you could see that the the tips of the wood that was sticking out was still fairly clean. 
fresh where splinters. If that had been done a while ago, there could be, you know, soot, dirt, you know, whatever yeah. on it. But it looked it looked pretty fresh. Plus, I believe we found some uh, wood on the floor. Uh, and I don't want to call it wood. It's not really wood. But, um, and again, does that tell you anything? Yeah, no. I mean, more than likely it just happened. Mm. But if, you know what, they, they they probably weren't getting a good housekeeping award either. Yeah, right. So okay. when's the last time this place was vacuumed? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so all that came into play. Um, so, you know, now with this drug issue that comes up, is this drug related? Now mm. you got this gang graffiti uh, that we still never really got a clear, uh, you know, just got, we didn't get a clear definition of why that gang graffiti was on that flag. Right. Um, nobody could associate him with being associated with gang members. There was a possibility she may have been because she traveled in that drug world. Okay. I don't know. Maybe a former boyfriend was a gang member. You know, we didn't, you know, I don't know if we, we really determined whose flag that was. Or perhaps so one of the guys that she's seen on, on the side is a, a potential gang member, therefore. Could be. Potentially linking it to a possible gang hit. Could. Mm. Yeah. You know, I mean, who knows if she owed somebody money. Right. I mean, that's another thing. Mm. Uh, generally, in the drug world, unlike the loan shark world, mm. um, uh, drug dealers tend to want to send a strong message, uh, which means they'll kill you. Yeah. <laughs> Where in the, you know, your, your mafia type loan sharks, you know, they want their money break, back, right? <laughs> right. They'll break a fucking leg or yeah. blow up your car or something, you know, mm -hmm. or take photographs of your kids going to school mm -hmm. uh, to send you a message, hey, pay up. Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, we're still, you know, baffled as to what's going on. The coroner's investigators show up, um, you know, prior to that. Again, we have this handshake deal that we can photograph, do what we need to do. Uh, until they get there and they actually are very cordial and ask us, okay, can we start moving the bodies? Now, as they're moving the bodies, uh, we're photographing like crazy too. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, what they, you know, what the coroner's investigator pointed out along with our evidence technician is that the gunshot wounds were to the head of both right. and they were to the, to the temple area. And they could tell by the, the the wound itself and the burns that they were close proximity wounds. Yeah. Meaning either the weapon was an inch or so or closer or right up on onto the skin. So effectively, of... the closer a gun is to um, any contact with yeah. the body, the 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 right. more the the burn is going to be right. present on on the skin or or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. For those of you at home who really want to get a feel about proximity wounds uh, and how we determine the, uh, you know, where, how far the offender may have been standing, take a flashlight, put it about uh, a quarter of an inch away from a wall, and then start walking back. And as you walk back, you're going to see the circle of that flashlight expand. Yeah. Yeah. That's how, that's how a gunshot works. Okay. The further back you go, the more that gunpowder starts dissipating to the point where if it's a long-distance shot, you're not going to have any residue. Yeah, it's going to be too finite to, to pick up anyway. Correct. Mm. Yeah. And there's some technology out there that was developed a few years ago uh, with cameras 
that they can actually take like almost a reverse x-ray uh, of the residue. Uh, and we've done shots like that, controlled shootings uh, on a police range where mm -hmm. we try to estimate the distance of where the individual may have been standing, the offender. Okay. Uh, it, it's a it's a very very unique device. I'm sure it's pretty it's more common now than it was when we first used it. This is the infrared stuff that where the image looks like a yeah. negative afterwards. Right. It, it highlights the the gunshot residue, and I, I bet you Scotland Yard's got a ton of this stuff because those guys have got everything. You know, yeah. believe it or not, you know, I mean, Scotland Yard is a premier law enforcement agency in the world. Because we send a lot of uh, police executives on exchange programs to Scotland Yard. Oh, right. You wow. know, remember, Scotland Yard invented policing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they in, uh, invented I was watching a documentary on it a little while ago yeah. on uh, Netflix, I think. Um, yeah. They invented uh, what, what is modern-day investigating, right? Investigating Absolutely. Techniques. Yeah. Shout out to Scotland Yard. Yeah, their techniques, uh, you know, I mean, everybody watches Scotland Yard and what they do. Uh, it, it's interesting. Uh, I've been watching a lot of English TV lately okay. uh, through Netf Netflix for, for whatever reason is, uh, you know, highlights a lot of English programming. And uh, I'm very, very impressed, you know, and just their questioning is so, you know, your accents are so gentlemanly. I mean, I... <laughs> You know, the people in the UK probably think I'm a, a complete fucking thug the way my accent is. So I'm not too sure about that. I don't think yeah, my don't accent is, is particularly gentlemanly, but I know I know what you mean. I think the royals are, are probably a lot more gentlemanly. Yeah, they are. But, you know, just that English accent thing. I mean, I wish I could have somebody with an English accent in some of my interviews. They'd probably throw the assholes right off their, <laughs> their game completely. So, you know, we're looking at this thing. We still don't know we are. And, you know, we roll and we find the close proximity wounds. Now, the other thing, uh, remember I told you the bodies were aligned uh, head to foot and vice versa, both mm. on their sides. Both had gunshot wounds uh, to the temple. The And this is really strange the hands on both victims joined uh, between them. There was probably about, a, I'd say, a, a 6 to 10-inch gap between the bodies, and the hands were joining, and in between the hands was a thirty-eight caliber revolver. Yeah, yeah, that's weird, right? So, okay, almost looked like it was staged. Like somebody mm -hmm. whacked, whacked both of them, put yeah. the gun down, put the hands on the gun, and took off, Yeah. right? So there was also blood on the walls. Uh, on her side, she, her body was actually up against the wall that would have abutted the front room. Um, there was a, uh, a semicircle of blood, which would indicate, and I'm an amateur at this, uh, that's why we have the, we call them the scientists, uh, mm. take care of all this. Mm. It appears as if when she fell, she kind of ran her hand down the wall down the wall consistent with anybody who's ever fallen in their lives when you reach right. out so, and you go down right you shoot yourself uh you know you can you can because i believe her head was facing towards the window mm. so that would have been consistent with her shooting herself in a right temple taking your left hand because uh, now you've got blood spatter on the wall from the gunshot going through yeah. the head yeah and her hand kind of smearing that down okay Okay, um, 
And then, uh, you know, we called in a blood spatter guy from our crime lab. He came in and along with the coroner's office and our, our forensic guys, and based on all the information we had acquired uh, from doing the victimology, from look, reaching out for any witnesses, mm-hmm. you know, everything we put together, ultimately, this is, this is what we came up with. And forensically, it was sound. So it wasn't, uh, you know, shooting from your hip, a wild guess. Yeah. Okay. So take everything into account, and I'm not going to go over it, but for, for you folks that have been taking notes, uh, this one was, uh, you know, a complete mystery when we got there. And it took a lot of teamwork and effort and science mm. to put this thing together. Mm. So here, here's a scenario. He's out of town, right? Uh, remember I told you he's extremely jealous. He has a tendency of getting extremely mad, rage issues. Yeah. Uh, she has got a drug problem and is not as infatuated with him as he is with her. Yeah. Uh, while he's away, and apparently this is the other thing we found out, that she was supposed to be weaning herself off of her completely uh, quit taking drugs. So we believe she was hiding uh, her drug addiction mm-hmm. from him, right, and not going through with her promise to quit drugs. Mm. <clears throat> so uh, it sounds like she was partying. Uh, while he was away Mm. and when he got, you know, when he got back, he must've determined just, you know, and you can tell if somebody has been, been using or partying hard. Yeah. Uh, for all we know, she might've been high when he got back. So they get into this argument and of course she's got all sorts of underlying issues aside, uh, from the, uh, from the drug issue. Okay. So now, uh, you know, we, we tell people have told us that they're hearing these periodic arguments. Um, so what we, what we've determined is they had an argument. They had a really big blowout Mm. when he got back. Um, she finally broke down, uh, probably mentally breaking down physically, Mm. uh, went into the bedroom and locked herself in there there was a, and we found this out from friends that there was a 38 caliber revolver that I believe he owned that was stored in a, in a, in the bedroom in a closet on a top shelf because her kids would come over to visit. Okay. We still never found out why the hell there were bullets inside this toy. Mm. Uh, it didn't make, unless, you Perhaps know, the, only the kids thing, have, have found them well, and no, she, they were batteries. Well, no, it could have been too that she the toy was on the shelf with the bullets, and mm-hmm. she may have reached for it because it was very uh, disorganized the bullets. So she was probably trying to load the gun very quickly. Oh, uh, okay, all right. Okay, and wheel guns, meaning revolvers, uh, mm-hmm. unless you're used to using them. I and mean, I used to carry one, so you just got boom, you got used to reloading that thing pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, I don't think I could do it right now, mm. but. Uh, she was reloading and I don't even, I can't remember exactly how many rounds were in it, but I don't think it was, I think the capacity on this one was six. I don't think she had put six rounds into it. So we believe, um, he's yelling at her from outside the door, open up, open up, open up. Uh, she's upset emotionally. Uh, who knows what other factors Mm. she takes the gun, shoots herself. Okay. He, he hears the shot. And he kicks in the door. Mm. The first thing he sees is her laying on the ground, uh, 
obviously dead. He's distraught, um, totally in love with her, and and he had some issues as well. Mm-hmm. He picks up the gun and he shoots himself. Wow. Okay. Wow. And coincidentally, and we'll go over another strange but true case later down the road. Um, the weapon falls between both of them, and their hands come together. Yeah, it's crazy. You kind it was of kind of uh, it was kind of like a Romeo and Juliet type of thing. It was yeah. very strange. Mm. And um, you know, when we roundtabled with the chief at that agency, I think we had to go over this thing about three or four times with them because he. He had a hard time wrapping his head around. This is a 30-year law enforcement veteran. He's like, mm. are you kidding? And then once the science came in and, and all the uh, exigent circumstances surrounding the behavior, uh, yeah. you know, all those, all that all that put together, he goes, you know what? Because you guys are right. There, there's no other way this could have happened. This is a uh, double suicide. Double suicide, yeah. Uh, I don't think... I can't remember handling a double suicide before. And I guess even uh, if you had, you, you've probably never walked into a situation like that where the gun like is that. in both hands. Yeah. And, and, uh, I, I, we've handled murder-suicides. Yeah. You know, and, and there's a case we're going to go over uh, again in one of the case reviews where it was a case of mistaken identity suicide. Okay. Um, you know, it's very interesting case. Mm. So... Um, Anyway, through science, the blood spanner, um, the the crime lab assisting us, uh, great work by our uh, our crime scene technicians, great work by the detectives, narrowing yeah. down that timeline, uh, great interview techniques, uh, all that put together, boom. Now, uh, for a couple of months afterwards, I believe uh, her family members were having a difficult time wrapping her head around this thing. Sure, yeah. Yeah, they believe that he had killed her and then killed himself. Um, yeah, but, you want to believe anything you know, other than they've taken their own oh, life, right? Oh, of course, of course not. Of mm. course not. And if they were, you know, re- very religious, you know, I'm in, you know, I'm Greek Orthodox, uh, which is uh, not too dissimilar from uh, being a Catholic. Yeah, you know, it's it's a mortal sin. Yeah, yeah. To commit suicide. Mm. Um, I don't know how religious the family was. Um, mm. So, I, you know, all those things come uh, factor in. But it was mm. it was an extremely sad situation. And, and looking at both of them, these were two people who were just really getting into the prime of their lives. They had every chance in the world. And you know what? Things just, just didn't go their way. I mean, yeah. uh, drug addiction, you know what? I mean... It, it's horrible. I, I can't begin yeah. to, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm heavily involved in a program we have here, the uh, opioid task force and just how many people are dying at a record pace. And yeah. we haven't, we haven't been able to do a fucking thing to slow this down. Nothing. It's crazy, isn't it? I know we were emailing yeah. back and forth about it when you'd sent yeah. me a piece that it, you wrote on it. And uh, it's just horrible. It's horrible. Kudos you know, to you it, for the work you've done on it, by the way, and the pieces that you've written about it. I've I've found them to be phenomenal in their content, and the, I know that the work you've put in. I think you were the fa- co-founder of the local initiative. Yeah, there were there were yeah three of us that co-founded uh, the first of this type of initiative uh, that went countywide. Right, um, and you know, of course, the first phase of this was training and equipping every officer. Uh, in Lake County with an antidote. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many saves we're up to, but, you know, it's into the hundreds. Mm. Um, you know, that's the whole thing. Hey, come on. We're, we're here saving lives. Mm. We're not here to judge. Mm. I'm not going to walk in a room and say, okay, give me this, this guy's background before I inject them. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These yeah. Are, human beings are not disposable, you know. Absolutely. And I make it clear to all of our investigators when they come on that we handle every single case the same way. I don't care if we're investigating the death of a drug dealer gang member who's committed all these hideous crimes, he's mm. dead. Mm. It's our job to find out who killed him. It's yeah. not our job to judge the victim. The victim is the victim. Yeah. You know, and if you really want to take a look at the victim, go to his house, sit down with his mother, mm. um, and have her go through the picture book, the family picture book, and take a look at what this individual was. Yeah. And, you know, life throws some curveballs. And every victim and the victim's families deserve justice and an answer. Yeah, absolutely. That's the way we always approach this. So that's the case of the, the, the you know, the fallen lovers, uh, double suicide. That is a crazy one. True kind of Romeo and Juliet ending there. Like you said, the drugs probably were the, were the biggest outside factor in, in the slippery slope of how they got there in the end. But right. I, from the get-go, when you started to explain it, from walking in the door, you know, it could have been a, a, a double murder, it could have been gang-related murder, then it could have been a murder-suicide, and to ultimately get there with all the blood spatter experts and, you know, everybody that's part of the investigation getting down to, actually, this is a fucking double suicide. That's, that's just, that's crazy. Two, two yeah. lives extinguished. Too young as well, I might add. They were only in their twenties, right? So yeah, twenty. I think twenty-seven, uh, and I believe uh, twenty-two. And I can't remember which one was which, but you know, no matter what, I mean, and and also there were children left yeah. behind yeah. by her. Um, so yeah, very Awful. tragic. Yeah. Listen, thank you so much for sharing that third case. That obviously concludes the little special three-episode uh, thing we've been doing on murder, suicide, or other. Um, I've said in a, an interlude episode previously that people can obviously ask their questions to you directly um, if they visit ask.chieffilenko.co.uk. Um, they'll be able to put their questions to you directly and we'll be able to answer them as they come in uh, on future podcast episodes. So thanks for agreeing to, to be involved in that as well. I really Absolutely. I know that My pleasure. appreciate that as well. Um, and so... Until next time, Chief, thank you very much for your time once again and for your expert opinion. Thank you. Have a great day. Yeah, you too.